This is Jade. This is Carly. And this is Mommy's Tell All. Hello, Jade. Hi, Carly. I'm sitting next to you again. I know. It's so nice. It's really nice. <laughs> you look very pretty today. It's like, oh, thank you. Well, it's leftover makeup. It's like when I get my eye makeup done and it looks really great, I'm like, must preserve it for the next oh, six yeah. days. You know what I mean? Like I try to, we were talking about it. Sleep on your pillow like you're sleeping beauty. Don't move so you don't lose an eyelash. Oh, your lashes look really good. Thank you. I had to recurl them this morning, but. It's funny because, you know, I look at pictures of us when we have our makeup done and lashes on, and we just look so, like, alert and awake. And then the moment I take them off, I'm like, what happened to your face? <laughs> you, <laughs> where'd there your is, face there go? There is nothing more dramatic looking than what someone looks like with fake lashes yes. and what they look like without, like, in, even like without mascara. Oh yeah, yeah. You, you're like my I, my eyes are bald. Yeah, bald eyes. <laughs> it's so weird. Oh my gosh. I think I'm gonna get a lash lift. A lash lift intent. Yes, I've seen this on Instagram. Yeah, it's like the. I think it's the new thing because. They last for a couple months, and you don't have to, like, you don't, aren't, you know, you're not, like, putting something Ugh. on your lashes necessarily. Like, and extensions has, that fall out. Like, who has time to lay there? For, I used to do this. I did, For, too. like, an hour or two hours or however long it takes, and you just lay there, and you get lashes on. And then if you miss an appointment and you start losing them, then they oh, look they all look wonky. Really bad. Yeah. But then also some people have lashes, and they're too much. Some lash extensions are lately on Instagram. There have been a few people that I'm like, it's too much, you guys. They're very fluffy. <laughs> I feel like you know who I'm talking about right now. <laughs> but they're intense. There's also, did you see there's a new thing Amanda Stanton did with her brows? It's like some new brow thing. No. I don't know. Everybody's doing these things that I don't know about anymore. I can't keep up. I really can't. But I do think that I can manage a lash lift. That's like mom yeah. manageable. I wonder how long that takes. Does it take a long time? I don't think so. I don't know. I'll find out. I have an appointment. Oh, you have an appointment. Actually, like, this is appoint- actually Oh, no, happening. it's happening. I have an appointment next Tuesday. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, let me know how it goes. Yeah, I might want to do this. I will. I'll fill you all in it on really- my experience. It's amazing, though, when you, like, wake up in the morning and you have lashes, how you do already look put together. I feel like I do. I feel like a Disney princess. Like, yeah. the birds are singing, the doors are, like, opening up, and the breeze ah, is coming in, the ah. music. Yes. It's like, at least <laughs> I feel alive. At least my eyes look awake. Oh, yeah. It's important. I may be dead inside today, but my eyes I are awake. dead, but my eyes make me look alive. <laughs> that's, so, that's so sad. That's not, no. I don't feel that every day. What we do have today, though, which is really great, is we have an optimism doctor on. So if we do feel dead inside, we will leave feeling alive. She can show us how scientific ways of how to retrain your brain to be more optimistic. You know what I really like is that it's happening right now because it's the beginning of the year. And I feel like we've been a little pessimistic, Jade. Well, I think we had high hopes for 2020, (laughs) which— Everybody does. I feel like at the end of the year, you know, they're like, I'm going to have all these resolutions for the new year. I'm going to yeah. be, you know, new year, new me. And it's yeah. just, it's just, just, a, just January 1st comes around and it laughs at you. Right. It's just like. <laughs> yeah. But it's You and all I have about, both had crazy starts to this year. But I'm excited because I feel like if we could just reprogram the way that we're looking at the year, then the year is going to get better. I absolutely agree. Like, to a point, there's definitely, like, truth to that. 
our guest today, too, she talks about, like, manifestation and Mm. being careful about what you manifest because you never know, like— you put something out there and may really come true. So, oh yeah. But we'll have to talk to her about our lackluster start to 2020. Yeah. But yeah, I just feel like we've already started the year, but I already need a new outlook. Like I need a new refresh on what's already new. That's what I'm saying here. <laughs> I just need more positivity and optimism about this year because I've been pretty negative and it's not good. Well, that's good then because our guests will be able to. Give you a little, Steer us in the right direction. Yeah, spruce this up. I think she's also going to touch on how to raise optimistic children. Mm. And I'm very interested in what tips she has. And then just like staying optimistic as parents in situations where we feel like super stressed or super overwhelmed. Because our kids can feel that, you know, like I don't think we realize that a lot of the times when we're stressed and we're running around and our Kids may not be able to communicate it to us, but they're they feel oh, yeah. our energy. Hundred percent. So being just like good role models because they model after us. Yeah. And that's a lot of pressure. And no one's perfect. We can't be perfect, but we can be better and we can learn. And so I'm really excited for that. Me too. Shall we get her on? Let's do it. All right. All right. Well, we are so excited for you to be here, everybody. We have Dr. Deepika Chopra with us and She calls herself the optimism doctor, which I love. Carly and I were just talking about how 2020 has been a little rough start for us, and we need all the tips. Yeah, we need to be more optimistic because we've been a little pessimistic, and we need to change our outlook because it's doing nothing for us being the way that we have been. 2020 has been rough for me, too. Really? Let's all do it. (laughs) It just hasn't—I think, like, there's so much pressure— put upon us at the beginning of the year. And this mm-hmm. year, specifically, it was like, it's the start of a new decade. It's the start of a new month. It's the yeah. start of a new year. And I just feel like a lot of that pressure is just bullshit. Today is it's a new day. Mm-hmm. Any day of the year, you can start over. You can do something that makes you feel good. You can start something new. You can, you know, like, it doesn't have to be all this pressure on, like, I had a really awful January 1st. 2020, just the day just wasn't right. And I had so many people say like, or just like scrolling through Instagram and, and so many people would say like, whatever you do on this day is how your entire (gasps) year is going to be set up. And not only that, but the entire new decade. And I was like, I'm calling bullshit on that. That's That's not true. That is not true. You guys, how your year has started out is not an indication of what this year is going to be. You can flip stuff around every single day that you wake up. It doesn't matter if it's January 1st or December 31st. I went for my first workout of the year 2019 on December 31st. Good for you. (laughs) I never even made it there. I got it in. My husband forced me to go on a hike with him, and I was so upset with him. I probably flicked him off about 15 times the whole way. It was like Griffith Park hike, and he was like, come on, you got to get a workout in for 2019. So I was like, I got my first and my last in. And you know what? I was really proud of myself. That's That's also a really hard hike. It is kind of really. That's very uphill and very. (gasps) That's what I'm saying. (gasps) Yeah. I was like, babe, I need you to push me. Like if you want an extra work. Or or carry me. (laughs) The worst part was we got there. He wanted to do Runyon and I'm not a big fan of Runyon. Mm. I was like, I want to do something a little more naturey. Yeah. And it was. Griffith Park was a little more nature. It is beautiful. But the thing is, we went the wrong way first. So it was like we went a mile, <gasps> like the wrong way first. 
And yeah. when we came back down from that mile, we were back at our car. And I was like, this is this wasn't the right way, but like, okay, let's go. Right. He's like, babe, we're not done. And I was like, I can't believe you made me hike an extra mile. Extra over it. I was so what? upset. And then of course after it's like I Did you feel great? Yeah, I mean, no. No. I didn't feel great, but I did feel like it jump started me. Oh, that's um, good. I used to love Pilates, but I haven't worked out, like really worked out or taken classes or anything since before I was pregnant. And I have a two and a half year old. So it's like, it's time. I get it. And it's just like that thing that was so annoying that he made me do on December 31st actually like jump started me. And I'm just, I always teach people, my clients like take really small steps. The Mm -hmm. small steps are actually what get you the farthest. And I always trip myself up by making some like really big goal. And so right now I'm just like, I'm going to take a Pilates class once a week. And I've been able to do it. And I'm so excited. It's Fridays to do it now. And then I'll like add it when I feel like adding yeah. it. But just once a week has been my goal. And I'm. it feels good to set a goal that you can do. And then like achieving it is the whole purpose of a goal is being able to like check something off and be like, I did that. It's self-mastery. And it makes us want to do it more. Yeah. So that's like a little... Start small. <laughs> I love that you're saying like this about yourself. It's not like you're giving this overall advice because you're perfect. You know what oh, I mean? No. You're like, listen, I struggle with the two and I'm starting small. I love that you said that. When this whole thing started, my work in optimism, it was like a little bit tough for me because I am not a preacher. I don't preach. I am not anyone's guru, despite what my name sounds like. <laughs> Um, And I never will be. Like, I'm a big believer of you are your own guru. I might know tons of tips and tricks, and I might have studied the science behind happiness and optimism and resiliency for the past decade or so, and that might be, like, what I nerd out about, the brain. But I'm also just human, and I'm trying to work through it, too, and I'm not the most optimistic person. And I am optimistic in a lot of different categories of life, and it's because I've worked really hard at it, Mm -hmm. but I'm really pessimistic in other aspects, which is, like, my self-work. But I'm always very open and transparent to share, like, my journey, too, because I think that's important. Oh, yeah. And if I—I'm also just, like, a sharer, and I'm pretty transparent, open book. I always have been. And if I couldn't do it that way, I couldn't do what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Like, I just—you'll never see me, like, on a soapbox or, like, you know, posting, like, quotes all day long. It's just not my thing. Which yeah. I think is great too because I feel like there's a false idea sometimes around optimism that it's always good and it's always this like big bubbly space and somebody who's optimistic is always like, oh, I'm looking at the brighter side right. of things all the time. And I've seen things that come out that are like talking about like toxic positivity, mm-hmm. which I do think is like exists. And it's like this false idea that everything always has to be going, you have to always be looking at the glass half full instead right. of half empty. But I like that you're like, no, like I do have pessimistic moments, but I'm still someone who can teach you right. on how to have an overall optimistic outlook. So basically like almost like a PSA um, before I teach any workshop or um, speak on a panel or when I'm doing optimism sessions um, or even in this space on a podcast, I always like to define what it really means to be optimistic or what an optimist is or the word optimism because I think it gets misinterpreted a lot. And it's exactly what you're saying. A true optimist is not someone that's like skipping through the fields, wearing rose-colored glasses, you know, having the perfect day. I just did the little air quotes. Perfect day, (laughs) 24-7-365. I mean, that is inhumane or maybe like that's just like 
an Instagram feed. I don't know. But if anyone tells you that they're having just like the perfect day every single day and they're only experiencing positive mood every single day, that's just not real because as humans, we are built to experience the full range of emotions. It's just basically like how we navigate through them that really makes the difference. And a true optimist is someone that sees the roadblocks and the setbacks and all the things that are less than ideal. They're so mindful of them and they're aware of them. They just see them as something that's temporary and something that they have the power to overcome. And so a true optimist is really someone that exercises their resiliency muscle. Mm. And so in order to do that, you have to recognize the pitfalls and the setbacks and the negative emotions or the less than ideal things. And then it's how you sort of work from that. It's so interesting. I love too that everything that you talk about is science-backed. It's not just like you said, like fluffy little quotes that I post all the time. It's things that you've learned about the brain, like the resiliency and how you can actually train your brain because it's a muscle. Yes, it's totally a muscle. I was always someone that asked questions and I always wanted to know why. Like, Mm -hmm. but why is it true? But why? And to be honest, when I was in high school, my best friend's mom introduced me to the idea of the law of attraction and Abraham Hicks. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you guys Mm -hmm. are familiar with Abraham Hicks, but that's sort of like the core of like what the secret took from and that whole thing. We were just talking about that, yeah. And I really like liked this woman, Esther Hicks. She basically has like a spirit that like she talks to named Abraham and Mm. it kind of like comes through her. Gotcha. And for some reason, even though I grew up spiritual, I was exposed to holistic type of things. I also like came from a background that was very sciencey and... A lot of people in my family were doctors and engineers and just like more on the science side mm-hmm. because I'm Indian. <laughs> and I feel like that's a stereotype I'm allowed to say because I'm Indian. But I always like, I loved the message, but I couldn't wrap my brain around like where it was coming from. Mm-hmm. And so I think that it was sort of natural for me when I was in grad school so many years later, I, I had that sort of way of looking at psychology and I was drawn to sort of the idea of positive psychology But I needed to know, like, why scientifically and from a neuro standpoint, like, why does manifestation work? And how does it work from a neuro point of view? And so I actually did my dissertation well over a decade ago now on the idea of evidence-based manifestation and visual imagery and how to increase people's more positive future-directed thinking, which is optimism. And so it was just like I I needed to find the framework of how the brain said it was real. kind of thing. And I've always taken that with me. And so I think my specialty is really blending together holistic, spiritual, and real evidence-based science practices in my tools. What would you say the benefit is of keeping like an optimistic mind frame for people? Oh my gosh, there's so many benefits, physical and mental. We know that if you experience more positive mood, you're sick less, you live longer, and not just longer, like the years, you know, racking up, but actually like you thrive and live longer. So people that experience more positive mood, like in their 80s are actually like living a good life. Your stress cortisol levels are lower. You have less anxiety. You are more goal directed and you actually can achieve your goals. The more positive mood that you're in, your brain's executive functioning really starts to fire. And that's the part of your brain that problem solves. Hmm. So There's just a host of really, really, really great benefits. So I am somebody who's always struggled with major anxiety. Mm -hmm. 
I had anxiety with my last pregnancy. I've definitely struggled mentally with my mental health postpartum. What's like something I could do for myself to help maybe get myself out of that hole? Like while you're in it, like when you're spinning. Yes. I would say when you're in that sort of spiral and um, you're experiencing those anxious symptoms, both physical and mental, I'm sure you experience both of those. Yes. The power of breath, which I know gets talked about a lot and it gets thrown around a lot, but like Mm -hmm. it really is super powerful because it's working on your physical symptom and your mental symptoms. And a lot of times people will tell you a very specific type of breathing exercise. I personally really like the like breathing in for three, holding for three, and and exhaling for three because I kind of just like the number three and I like that it's easy to memorize and I can't actually hold my breath longer than that. (laughs) But there's a bunch of different ones. I always actually, maybe this is different than what a lot of people would say, but I always think that you should pick just like one that works for you. So even if it isn't one that's sort of talked about and there's different breathing exercises, maybe yours is four or maybe you just like five, like whatever it is, pick one for you. Whatever it is, it's just about slowing your breath down and also being able to put your brain to focus on the breath, which brings me into the second one I would tell you to do, which is my favorite one. But it's all about this idea of tricking your brain into a healthy distraction. So Mm. despite what a lot of people think, our brains actually have a limited capacity for attention. Hmm. So we can't think about everything all at once all the time. So there's actually certain things you can do to use enough attentional capacity of your brain that it can't actually think about what you don't want it to think about. Yeah, that's kind of like if your finger is broken and it hurts, then break your toe. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it distracts or like when people brain. have like uh, <laughs> a headache and then they say like press this yes. little area in between your fingers to like bring the pain somewhere else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's sort of like that. And it's about just like using enough attention that you're directing so that your brain is like full And it doesn't have any space to do the other thing. And so there's this one, like, exercise that I would do all the time with my patients when I was working at Cedars in UCLA. And it sounds really simple, but it is life-changing. And so I like to call it, it's like sort of like the adult I spy game. When you're in sort of that spiral, you look around the environment that you're in, and you just start naming off things out loud that you see without placing any judgment or making a story about it. So like it would be, I see blue sweater. I see headphones. I see a tissue box. I see hand sanitizer. And then you could go to like, oh my gosh, I forgot to wash my hands. And I heard someone coughing and I'm probably get like, that's making a story. But your mm-hmm. brain's going to do that because that's what it does. And then you just stop it and you move on to the next thing. Like I see a water bottle. I see plugs. And like the more that you do that, and if you can do that for like a full three minutes or like even one and a half minutes, like whatever it is, like 30 seconds to start with, it resets your brain. It like literally acts as a reset button. It's almost like when we tell our children to count to 10. Yes. When they're, you know, when they're Mm. angry or overwhelmed and they can't handle their emotions and then it's like, Breathe, yes. count to 10. This is like the adult version yes. that yeah. we don't tell ourselves. Yeah, because but we... longer. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. it's exactly that. And I, the reason that I started coming up with that for my patients was I used to run a group at UCLA that was for breast cancer patients. And right before they went into surgery, I was doing visual imagery with them. And I would tell them like when they were being wheeled to do this. And, like, it just worked so well because it distracts you wheeled into surgery. 
And now I like tell it to all my clients and I do it for myself. I've been using this technique for literally like a decade and it's so helpful. And just because you're actually naming something, so you're looking, you're using your senses, you're looking and you're naming something out loud. That's a big piece of it because that helps use enough of the brain. All we're doing is just using enough attentional capacity of the brain. And you will see your breath is going to automatically be slower. Your palms probably will stop sweating. Your heart rate will be slower. You know, as women, we carry bags. And my bag's always full. I could go buy a bigger bag, sure, but I'm just going to fill it up more. So it's the same thing with like anxiety. A lot of times when I work with people that have high anxiety, I don't like to just prescribe them the blanket, like, why don't you meditate? and clear your brain. I find that when you tell someone that has a lot of anxiety to clear their brain, that just is like buying a bigger bag and they just add it with more stuff to be anxious about. Mm. And so I would rather give them like healthy brain distracting meditation is what I like to call it. That's so cool. Hi, I'm Carla Waddell, the world's worst sleeper. You know, I actually think I've always been this way. I feel like I've always just been a hot, hormonal, uncomfortable mess and nothing has really changed until now. Even though I am waking up every two hours, basically, to feed a baby, I'm so much more comfortable and I'm sleeping so much deeper because of Etitude sheets. These sheets, you guys, are completely insane. They're comfortable. They're like feathery soft. They they really would make your cotton sheets feel like sandpaper. And they're cooling. I get so hot. I feel like I'm an oven. And these are clean bamboo. It's like extremely breathable. It regulates your body temperature and improves your quality of sleep. And they are antimicrobial and they're better for the environment because clean bamboo recycles 98% of the water it uses. So it's the most sustainable bedding available. And cotton uses a ton of pesticides and wastewater and is harmful on the environment. And this is not. So why not try Etitude Cheats? These are amazing. They have a also a 30-day risk-free trial so if you're not fully satisfied you can return your sheets for a full refund and they even cover shipping on returns attitude bedding is for the educated conscious consumer it's a hundred percent organic bamboo made from a non-toxic manufacturing process it's hypoallergenic and antimicrobial attitude sheets they're soft as silk breathable as linen but at the price of cotton you're going to love them when you support our sponsors you support our show and right now, our listeners will get 20% off the sheet set and free shipping. Just text MOMMIES to 6400. And the only way to get 20% off your sheets for Etitude Sheets and free shipping is to text MOMMIES to 6400. That's M-O-M-M-I-E-S to 6400. I've been like listening to a lot of Oprah's Super Soul conversations and stuff, and one of them that I was listening to was talking about how we're modeling for our children. And one of the stories that they talked about was there was a dog who had broken her legs. And when she gave birth to her puppies, who were perfectly healthy, they couldn't use their mm-hmm. back legs because mm-hmm. they were walking like their mother. Yes. And just like, it made me start thinking about, I'm like, I'm going to get emotional, but like, I've been dealing with a lot of like anxiety and just how I'm like modeling for my children. And so it's like, thinking of things that I'm like, how do I become better? Because I want to make sure that they're not taking on those energies mm-hmm. and being like, oh, this is how my mother handles this situation. So it's crazy that something as simple as that. Yeah. 
that could be a really healthy way of modeling. And like one of the most effective ways to raise more optimistic children is to just model that yourself. And so it's not about not showing them. I like a lot of times people will be surprised by like the advice I might give where I'm like, I don't think it's healthy to like shove things under a rug. If you're struggling with worry or anxiety or you, I mean, of course, I'm not saying we need to like expose our children to like a flat out brawl. But like if you're having an argument, a healthy argument with your husband or your mother or whatever, I try to have some of those things. Anyway, Jag's with us all the time. And like I said, he's really verbal and he like picks up on everything. Like I can't actually hide from it. (laughs) But what I can do is after try to explain and also like model where we go from there. So if you're in the middle of anxiety, first of all, not putting judgment upon yourself because it's part of you and it's part of all of us and it's normal. But then like I think using any tool that works for you and even if it doesn't work for you, but the fact that you're trying yeah. goes so, so, so far with our kids. Like that is teaching them something. It would teach them so much more than if you hit it and you were more repressed. Which is the environment I grew up in. My parents threw everything under the rug. You know, like you have a problem. We don't talk about it. You know, yeah. it was like we had to be the perfect family with no problems which is what I don't want to be either. That's tough. Yeah. But then I'm also like, I don't want to be like throwing my mess in front of my children too and being like, oh, now it's spilled everywhere. I know. It is so tough being a parent. It is. I mean, it really is. There's so much pressure. But I try to just expose Jag to struggle too because I also think that we live in this world, especially like here, where words like manifestation, like you said, and like, positivity kind of get thrown around that we there's this weird notion going around within that world and I've seen them in quotes and stuff that's like if something's really hard that means the universe says it's not for you and like Mm -hmm. I feel really like strange about that sure yeah I don't want to teach my kid that if things are a little bit difficult it just it's not meant to be I want to teach them that like like this idea of resilience, like that's mm-hmm. actually how you raise happiness and joy and optimism because like things are not always going to be easy all the time. And actually like some of the the most joyful and happy things come from like when you've worked really hard or you've had to like climb up that hill and then you get over the other side. And I'm more interested in, in how people are climbing up that hill than like people that, you know, are holding a crystal sitting on the beach and just asking the universe to drop something in their lap. That's awesome if that happens for you. I'm not knocking that. I actually know people that swear by that. And I think that's amazing. And it's very interesting to me because it's like what I studied and evidence-based manifestation. But like there's a lot of things missing in that picture. I think from everything I've learned from a scientific perspective, we're really missing the point. And the real secret is not just about what you want. We don't often get what we want, but we always get, or pretty much most often get what we expect. So my work with people is really less about, yes, wanting's part of it, but I don't feel like a lot of people need that much help in the wanting. It's like, if you really want this relationship, I know you want it and let's talk about it. And it is really powerful to visualize it and to use all your senses and make those boards. But like, if I don't ask that person from a scale of one to 10, how much do you actually expect that you will get this relationship? Mm. And if they're like want is 10 and their expectations too, it's not going to happen. So my work with them is, is closing that gap and mm. really like helping people shape and re sort of assign what their expectations are. And that takes hard work. It's not just going to fall into your lap. It works and it's lasting, 
but it takes work. I was going to say that sounds like a lot of unpacking. Yeah. I guess I can think about my expectations and the reasons why I would be holding them back. And I'm like, oh, God, (laughs) that's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I know when they talk about the secret, it's like you have to truly, like, yes, you want this thing. I want a cup of coffee right now. But you have to truly believe, which is in that, the expectation that the coffee will be coming. Totally. And like, it can't be something you just say. And I think that's the part where we're in right now. I think it's so awesome that this has become part of the trend. When I was studying this like 11, 12, 13 years ago, it was like weird. You know, like I wanted to do my dissertation on this and it was too woo-woo for the science community. But then I was too like science-y for the woo-woo community. (laughs) And like now we're finally like these things are blending. And it's like this is the time and it makes perfect sense. Sometimes the universe to me comes and reminds me that this works when I least expect it. Uh-huh. Like the other day I was talking to Evan about how we needed a new mattress. And within, I'm telling you, hours, minutes, someone would email me and say, hey, do you want to, you know, ha- have this new mattress yeah. from our store? And I'd be like, oh my gosh, just when I forgot that the universe answers. Yeah. It answered so big, it knocked on my door and said, hey, I work, right. you know? Right, And And it's almost like when I lose hope that it tells me that it does. From like a more behavioral point of view, like if I told you tomorrow when you wake up to just like imagine red shirts, imagine the color red, Mm -hmm. imagine red shirts all day long, keep reminding yourself, you are going to see so many people wearing red. (laughs) It's literally because that's what your brain is attending to. Mm. And they were always there. It's just you weren't focused on it. Mm. That's what you're noticing. And so the same thing goes with thoughts. And a lot of people, when they come and see me at first, they'd be like, I don't really understand the idea of how you can choose your thoughts. That's just happened to me. I just think things. Mm -hmm. And sure, that's true because a lot of how we operate is on automatic. That's just the default. The brain is so efficient. Like we create shortcuts all the time. And so your brain's like, I've been here multiple times. I know how to go. I'm not going to place attention on this. I'm just going to do it so that I can attend to other things. Mm. And that's a cool thing, but it's also a negative thing because if you think about that's just a route to work. But let's say you have like a deep core belief, something that's not serving you well anymore. You know, maybe it is I don't deserve a relationship or I don't deserve love. And it just automatically goes there. And Mm. now it's like you've spent 30 plus years forming that belief. It's really going to be difficult to sort of like halt Mm-hmm. turn around and right. like go a different direction. It's not impossible. It's literally like that is the business I'm in. It is so possible. It's just, it's more difficult. And you have to like turn off that automatic, that automatic sense, which is just our default. So it's about being more mindful and exercising that part of your brain. That's really cool. <laughs> that is really cool. It is so cool. The brain is literally the coolest thing. I, I could really nerd out cool. about this like, all day long. So for people... <laughs> trying to maybe put like a little reboot into their year, what what would you just say like the best piece of advice for the reset button would be? One thing that comes to mind that is just really simple is spend more time outdoors. Mm. New research just came out. There's always like varying research on this. Always it's good. But the newest research that just came out says if you spend on average two hours a week 
outdoors. And it could be like sitting on your sidewalk. Like you don't yeah. have to exercise. This is for myself <laughs> telling myself. This is, you don't have to, this is for me. You're speaking my language here. Yeah. You don't have to do anything physical. You just have to be outdoors. And it's nice if you're in somewhere that is nature and not mm-hmm. like a parking lot on the sidewalk. But right. it's fine if you are because you just look up at the sky mm-hmm. um, and you're just outdoors. Two hours a week, that's it. It increases positive mood, happiness, decreases the stress hormones that we talked about. And when you increase positive mood as well, like you're more likely to have more interpersonal relationships that are better. Mm-hmm. Um, it inspires you. It also like a lot of times if you're looking at something in nature that's a little bit like different than what you normally see, it can like strike that chord in you that's like the awe inspiring mm-hmm. chord, which yeah. we've learned the more you're in that awe state, just the benefits are tremendous for so many things. But also like it's it's a really good way to deal with anxiety. So something I always tell my parent clients with their kids, and now it's something that I do myself and a lot of my adult clients do, I would tell my parent clients to go on a happiness hunt with their kids mm-hmm. every day. And that doesn't mean that you have to go somewhere, um, you know, like a Nas- national park. National park. Okay. National park. Gosh, my brain just had a little bit of a a freeze there, but you don't have to go to somewhere like that. You can literally be walking to the grocery store Mm -hmm. and just look around you and and start to get and model it for your kids too, but start to get your kids to just talk about or even point out if they're not speaking yet, anything that brings them joy. It can be anything. And so you go on this little happiness hunt. And the question I get the most for some reason, which makes a lot of sense because of the climate we're living in now, is like, how do you stay optimistic in the type of world that we live in today, mm-hmm. where like every day something really awful is happening. It's terrifying. It's terrifying. It's so terrifying. And then adding to that being a parent, where yeah. you're like, this is the world right. that my kid right. is living in. And I'm sometimes scared to just like go to the movies. Oh, and that's yeah. sad. I think a lot of people will say like, I don't think that you should watch the news. And to me, I think that's not a good response. I actually believe in the opposite of ignorance is bliss. I think the more that you are aware of something and the more you're mindful of it, you might be that person that that can do something about it. Right. Or like your problem-solving part of your brain might kick in and you might help us with like a remedy for something amazing. Mm-hmm. So keep knowing. There is no harm in knowing. I think you should know. But the thing about it is we have a very negative bias right now where we are just exposed to a lot more of the bad things. There are amazing, wonderful, miraculous, awe-inspiring things happening around the world. We just are not exposed to them. You have to like actively seek it out. You know, I don't have to teach people to experience negative emotions or to worry or to be upset or to be depressed. You're going to sort of experience their full range of that anyway because it's just we are actually more prone to be pessimistic from an evolutionary standpoint. But I do have to teach people, and it is my like passion to teach people and to give more space in their days to things that bring them joy. Because I think a lot of times people have this like mentality of if it's working, we don't have to fix it. Mm-hmm. So why would I focus on things that are already going well? Because like focusing on things that are going well is so important for you. It is not just survival, it is how you thrive. And if there's one thing to impart, it's like spend more time focusing on things that are going well Mm, and mm -hmm. things that are making you happy because your brain will create more shortcuts to experience more of that. And so that's that whole thing where the shortcut and the being on automatic and the efficient brain can work for you instead of against you. Yes. That's what I need to do. That clicked for me right then. That was my Oprah aha. <laughs> Your yeah. Chopra aha moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that is exactly what it was. 
<laughs> but for sure, focusing on the positive. I mean, it's like, gra- yeah, gratitude. Yeah, but how many people actually practice gratitude rather than just like they've maybe bought a journal and said they're right. going to keep a gratitude journal? Right. It's probably more so that. But within that, everyone that keeps a gratitude journal or lists or practice gratitude very few people are on their own gratitude list. And the most powerful form oh of gratitude wow. is self-gratitude. Yes. That one hit me in the gut. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> Thank you so much. I have learned so much. I actually feel so much better about going home right now because I feel like I've made the flip-flop in my brain. Yeah, good. I'm so, so happy about that. Thank you. I needed that you to come happy. here today. You can I, always reach out to me. I do want to ask one, one more question that we always ask all our guests, and that's what is your best advice for moms out there right now? I think I would say that nothing is permanent and everything is temporary, and that sort of has been something that has caused me to be really sad sometimes because I, wanted, I want time to stand still, but also it's been something that has been relieving for me because as you guys know, like every stage is a stage, and mm-hmm. so if it's a tough one, it's going to pass. Right. And if it's a really nice one, like it's also going to pass. Right. <laughs> and so sort of this idea of being really flexible has mm. been something that I've had to learn and it's been tough and I'm still learning it every day. And then also not really a mom thing, but I like really want to throw out there that if any of these like tips or tricks or tools for optimism has resonated with you, and I've created this deck of cards. They're called the Things Are Looking Up deck of cards. And they are 52 cards and they're optimism cards. And each one has a science-based or holistic prompt or suggestion that actually increases happiness and joy and resiliency. And they're not affirmation cards because that can be a whole nother topic. We talk about why I don't believe in blanket statement affirmations. There's a time and place for them, but they're actionable items. They mm. tell you what to do. Oh, and nice. some of them are like some of them that I just threw out right now and, and talked about, but there are 52 of them. And if you guys want to check them out, it's thingsarelookingup.co. Amazing. I, I need to get these. So I met you yeah. at an event we did together with Lila, one of our friends, and you gave me one of your packs. I did. And I love them because they're very thought-provoking. They're not, like you said, they're not just like blanket statements. No. They actually make you think. And you're like, oh. Wow, like the, it's it's actually like your brain working and almost re, you almost yeah. have to do some rewiring to to get it, through some of them but and I would inspire you to take the things are looking up 33 day challenge because basically there's a misconception out there that it takes 21 days to build a new habit by the way it's that's actually based on nothing. Unfortunately, the real sort of research has been done and shows that on average it takes more like 66 days for wow. people to build a new habit and I feel like the first half is the hardest, so hence the 33-day challenge. So pull a card every day for 33 days, and it literally is rewiring your brain to create more of those shortcuts to experience more optimism and hope. I actually have a deck that's my deck here, but you can have it. So you guys have it. Yeah, and I feel like you guys should take the 33-day challenge together. That would be so much fun. Yeah, yeah. Where can everybody find you if they want to follow you and just access your tools? So on Instagram, it's Dr. Just the DR, Dr. Deepika Chopra. And then the uh, Instagram for things are looking up is all things are looking up. And then my website is drdeepikachopra.com. And then the things are looking up.co. Amazing. Thank you so much for being with us. I had so much fun. And I'm a big fan, as I told you before, because my husband and I watch bachelor in paradise all the time religiously it's like our date night which is the best show it is yeah it's literally so juicy and from a psychological perspective 
I give you lots of props for getting through that. <laughs> we did it. We did it. You did it with flying colors. <laughs> well, thank you again. Yes. Thank, thank you. you. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 